Amen. Thank you very much, uh, worship team, and your ministry to us all and your ministry to God. Um, it's good to see you all. Uh, we are now officially down to 12 days away from Christmas. Uh, that means after this Sunday, only one more Sunday uh, before uh, Christmas Day arrives. And again, we encourage you all as you have fun uh, with your friends and family and Christmas music, Christmas movies, uh, to remember the true uh, meaning of the season, and that's the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, I mentioned earlier that after the service today, uh, our family's headed to South Carolina uh, to see friends and Jamie's family. Uh, and while we are down there, we're going to celebrate Christmas with her side of the family, the in-laws. Uh, I love the in-laws. Uh, Jamie and her family are probably hoping uh, I won't last uh, too long this morning. Um, I'm not sure if it's a coincidence or not uh, that Jamie got me a watch um, that I can keep an eye on how long I, I'm uh, talking up here. Um, no, it's not a coincidence. We are actually, I hope he's not watching. Uh, Jamie's dad wanted to watch. We had, we drew names for Christmas and we drew his name and it's like, I'll take a watch too. So I got a watch as well. So now I can keep track of how long I'm talking to you guys because I know a lot of you think, man, when is this guy going to ever stop talking? Uh, the answer for many of you is not, not soon enough. <laughs> uh, but today, uh, we're going to continue our series uh, on the characters of Christmas. Uh, we've been talking, uh, or we've been taking a look at this Christmas story through the perspective of different characters. And we can really get a unique perspective of the Christmas story when we look through the perspective of Mary and Joseph and, and some of the other uh, characters of this very important Christmas story. And so the first week, two weeks ago, we started this series and we talked about uh, Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And when we took a look at the Christmas story through the perspective of Mary, uh, we saw that uh, when we obey God's will in our lives, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible when, when we follow God's will in our life and we are obedient to that. Uh, God told Mary through an angel that she was going to, as a virgin, give birth to a son. Um, and again, for those of you who failed uh, middle school health class, virgins aren't supposed to, uh, to, to give birth to, to baby boys. But God, or Mary through God, was able to accomplish the impossible because with God, nothing truly is impossible. Everything is on the table with God. And so Mary, she remained obedient to God, and she was able to accomplish the impossible, a virgin conceiving and giving birth to none other than the Son of God, the Messiah that the Jews have been waiting thousands of years for. And then last week, we talked about Joseph, Joseph, uh, the, the, the man who uh, was eventually going to marry Mary. Um, and so Joseph, uh, he thought that Mary failed uh, this test of faithfulness as all of a sudden um, his soon-to-be wife was pregnant. And so like a reasonable man he was, he says, well, clearly she must have failed uh, that test of faithfulness. And so he was ready to divorce Mary uh, in, in a quiet and respectful manner. However, he did not because an angel came and, and told him everything that took place. And Joseph, he realigned his life to fit in with God's will. 
And we at, we at times, we need to realign our lives to fit in with God's will so, so that we can be obedient to God and the will that he has in our lives. And so I've appreciated looking at the perspective of Mary and Joseph. And today, we're, we're going to take a look at uh, the perspective or the characters of the shepherds and the wise men. And we're going to start with the shepherds this morning as they take, take place first in the Christmas story. Um, so if you have your Bibles, and come to think of it, I don't have my Bible. Um, John, you want to run and grab me my Bible or Neola? Thank you. I should really know this by now that I need my Bible uh, to preach. But hey, apparently we have some slow learners in here, uh, me uh, and my son as well. Um, but in Luke chapter 2, uh, verses uh, 8 through 20, we're going to be uh, reading about the shepherds. Thank you, Neola. And we're going to be reading about the shepherds in Luke. But there's a couple of things that we have to know about the shepherds first. Number one, obviously, the shepherds, their responsibility was to watch over the sheep. That was their job. That, that was how they made a living, was that they would provide and take care of the sheep. And for the most part, their job would have been uh, very dull and very mundane, um, but on a rare occasion, their job uh, could have been life-threatening with, with the threat of the lurking predators in the area. And all these shepherds, they, they were not a popular group of people. You know, they, they were kind of seen as the outcasts, the, the misfits, or the nobodies in their society. As most of these shepherds, they were uneducated. They would have carried the smell of the sheep around with them. And so these were people that uh, were, were just kind of seen as outcasts in their society. And, we, and today we get to see how the shepherds, you know, kind of these misfits in their society fit into this, this miraculous story of the birth of Jesus. And so in Luke chapter 2, reading uh, in verse 8, it reads, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So this takes place just after Jesus was born in the manger, you know, the, the specific story that we're going to talk about on Christmas Eve. So this takes place just after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And it says in that same region, so in the region of Bethlehem, there were shepherds keeping watch uh, over their flock at night. And all of a sudden, in, in, in the pitch black, all of a sudden an angel descends and an angel appears before the shepherds. And it, and it talks about the glory of the Lord shown around them. Frequently, uh, when God uh, uh, appears to people throughout the scriptures or God sends an angel, it talks about God's glory being very, very bright. In some instances, the people, Moses, he had to wear a veil on his face because God's glory was just so bright. And so in the middle of this pitch black night, way out um, in, in, in the country, uh, the, the shepherds, they, they see the, the bright light of God descending upon them and an angel encountered them. And and they were filled with great fear, and reasonably so. A lot of times when we read through these stories, we see an angel appears to them, and frequently these people are scared. And we go, well, why are they scared? Well, because all of a sudden this traumatic event, this big bright light is descending upon them, and I too would be scared. And so these shepherds, they were filled with fear. But then in verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who was Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And so here the, the, this angel, as they are appearing to the shepherds, however many shepherds there were, uh, we don't know for certain. But at least two shepherds here, um, most likely more, um, the, the, this angel is talking to them and this angel says, fear not. Fear not, for behold, I bring you great news. And this great news isn't just for you. It's not just for your family or your friends. This great news is for all people. And this great news for all people is that today, this very day in the same exact city that you are keeping watch over your flock, the Messiah has been born. He has been born Christ, the Lord, Messiah, the Lord, the anointed one of God. He has been born. And this was great news that everyone needed to hear, for this was news for all the people. And the angel said, and this will be the sign. This, this will be how you know that he indeed is the Messiah, the Messiah that the Jews were waiting thousands of years for. This will be the sign. You're, you're going to go into uh, the town, the little town of Bethlehem, and you're going to see a, a, a baby swallowed up and, and cloths, and you're going to find him lying, not, not in an inn or, or a bed or a crib or any of that, but you're going to find him lying in a manger. Clearly, this was not an everyday occurrence, a baby being born in a manger. We'll talk a bit more about that on Christmas Eve. But that was their sign. That was their sign that, hey, this baby boy truly is Christ the Lord. And then after this angel delivers this great news to these shepherds, all of a sudden, a multitude of angels come to the scene. And, and the, this multitude of the heavenly hosts, the multitude of the angels, they're praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. That, that would have been such a marvelous, glorious sight to see as a shepherd with the multitude of angels singing praise to God. There's a handful of instances in the Bible that, man, I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. This is certainly one of those occurrences, seeing a multitude of angels singing praise to God. And so in verse 15, it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So after the, after the angels left, the, the shepherds were like, all right, the, the angel told us there will be a sign if this is true or not, so let's go discover it for ourselves. And so the shepherds, they go into uh, the little town of Bethlehem, and yes, indeed, they find Mary and Joseph and the little baby boy Jesus lying in the manger. And so now they know that, yes, this baby boy is the Christ. He is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the chosen one of God that God has been planning from the very beginning of time. 
So my question as I'm reading the story and I'm looking through the perspective of the shepherds is how are they going to respond to this news? What are they going to know that, that now they know that Christ the Lord has been born in the little town of Bethlehem? And we can read that in verse 17. It says, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that, that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And so these shepherds, after the, the angel uh, approaches them and after they go into Bethlehem to confirm that, yes, the, the, this baby boy is the Christ, they go out and they share this news with others. It says, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So the shepherds, after they left, they, they, they went to their family, they went to their friends, they went to probably their coworkers, their associates, they went to all, their acquaintances, all the people around them, and they shared this great news that they have heard that, yes, indeed, the Christ has been born. And word was spreading that, yes, the Christ had been born. And so that's the story of the shepherds. And we'll talk about the shepherds a little bit later on as well. But that ties us in directly to the wise men. We're talking about the shepherds and the wise men this morning. And we can read about the wise men in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can go back to Matthew, just two books prior in this Christmas story, uh, we, we all uh, are, are probably pretty familiar with the nativity scene um, as far as what's uh, taught in Sunday school and, and what's, what's taught in the children's books and so forth. But when you actually go in and, and try and figure out what happened in the nativity scene in God's word alone, it can get kind of confusing because both Matthew and Luke, Mark doesn't record it, but both Matthew and Luke, they record this Christmas story, but they both include different details. So you kind of have to connect the dots, it can, and it can get kind of tricky connecting the dots between uh, the recording of Matthew and the recording of Luke, as again, they talked about different things. Luke talked about the shepherds, but on the other hand, Matthew, he talked about the wise men. And the wise men, they're, they're, they're very interesting because their visit to Jesus is one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. As, as again, we, we read about this in children's book, we, we talk about it in Sunday school, and, and really it's kind of displayed out there uh, for the whole world to see. Even Hollywood uh, touches uh, base with, with this Christmas story a bit. And so it's a story that many people are familiar with, but uh, it's also a story that a lot of people actually have inaccurate ideas based off of different legends and different stories uh, that, that people uh, share. Uh, during the Middle Ages, legend spread that these wise men, they were three kings named, named Caspar, Balthazar, and Melchior. The fact of the matter, though, is that we uh, don't know how many wise men there were. Legend started that there were three wise men. Uh, that's because of the three gifts that the wise men appeared. We don't know. If there were three, there could have been two, there could have been three, there could have been four or five or 10 or 20. We don't know how many wise men were at this scene here. 
And they also likely weren't kings as well. That, that, that's kind of told uh, throughout uh, the, the Christmas story that we may read in, in the children's books or on uh, the television or whatever. It's often portrayed that these wise men, they're kings. Um, we, we aren't for certain, but it's likely that these men, these wise men or these magi, uh, they weren't kings. It's likely, uh, l- looking at uh, the, the historical context, it's likely uh, that these wise men or magi, they came uh, from the east. Well, well, they did come from the east. That's what uh, is recorded in God's scripture. And that's likely the Medo-Persian area. Uh, a couple hundreds to a thousand miles away from Jerusalem and Bethlehem, kind of the region of Babylon. If you remember stories like uh, Daniel and Babylon and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that all took place in the Medo-Persian area. And it's likely that these wise men, these magi, came from the the Medo-Persian area, hundreds or even a thousand miles away from Bethlehem. And it's likely, or it's thought uh, upon... uh, biblical experts and scholars, that these were uh, the most powerful group of advisors in the Medo-Persian area. They were very smart, and, and they, at the, at the same time, they were very wise, hence the phrase wise men. These men, they were also big into astrology as well. And so we can read about these wise men in Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So here are these wise men, likely from uh, the Medo-Persian area, at least they're from the east. Uh, These wise men, they they make a journey over to Jerusalem, and they come to Herod, Herod the Great, Herod the king of that region. And they're asking Herod the Great, hey man, where is the king of the Jews? Where is the king of the Jews that has just been born? So we don't know exactly how God revealed this information uh, that uh, the Christ has been born, um, but regardless, that information was shared with them. They were guided by a star, but how did they know? Um, that's not recorded, but they knew that the Son of God, that the King of Jews has been born, and they, they took this long journey to, to find out where this King of the Jews has been born, and they asked none other than Herod the Great. And that is so ironic because Herod the Great, he is king of the the Judean area. He's the king of the area in which the Jews lived. And so here are these wise men. They're asking, where is is this baby boy who has been born that is the king of the Jews? And he's asking the person who is the literal king of that area. And now Herod the Great, uh, he's known as Great, Herod the Great, because he was a great ruler, he was a great builder, an administrator, and politician, but also his cruelty was very great. Augustus Caesar, the the Roman emperor uh, of the time, uh, you probably read about uh, Augustus Caesar in your history classes, or you watch movies about him or whatever, but Augustus Caesar, the Roman emperor of that time, he says, uh, quote, uh, that it is better, that it was safer to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. That's how vile and cruel that this man Herod was, that Augustus Caesar, the emperor of Rome, he says that it was safer to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. 
And all of a sudden, these wise men are asking this cruel, cruel man, where is this baby boy, the king of the Jews? And so in verse 3, we, as we continue the story, continue through the perspective of the wise men, it says, when Herod, the, when Herod heard the king when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. From you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. So here after this magi, they, they made this long, long trip to try and find the king of the Jews. Why? So that they could worship the king. Of the Jews. And so they asked Herod the Great, who would have a lot of resources at his hand to, to try and determine where uh, this baby boy has been born. And so he asked him, and Herod, he doesn't know, so he gathers together the chief priests and, and the scribes, and he says, where is it prophesied that the Messiah is to be born? And apparently the, these chief priests and their scribes, they knew their Old Testament well, they, they knew their books of prophecy, and they knew that the Christ was to be born in the little town of Bethlehem. And so Herod then sends the Magi to go to the little town of Bethlehem. And Herod says, go find him and report back to me so that I too may worship the king. Now we, we know clearly those are not the, the true intentions and motives of Herod. Herod ha had no uh, desire to worship Jesus, the king of the Jews. He wanted to find Jesus so that he could put the supposed king of the Jews to death. And so he sends the Magi on their way, and the Magi go. And in verse 9, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So that's probably the, the portion of the story uh, that, we're that we're most well familiar with, that the wise men, they go and they find Jesus in uh, the, the Christmas stories that we read in the books and, and that we see on TV. It's often a displayed baby as, uh, or, or Jesus as a wee little baby still in the manger. Um, that's likely not the case. Uh, we can't be for certain, but it's very possible that Jesus was actually a, a, a little older and he wasn't a, a fresh newborn after the wise men made that long journey to Jerusalem and then down to Bethlehem. But, they, but nonetheless, they go to Jesus, they find the baby Jesus, and they offer him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And uh, in a dream, they're warned not to go back to Herod, so they listen, and they did not go back to King Herod the Great. And so that is uh, the, the Christmas story through the perspective of the wise men, a group of men two, three, four, five, ten, however many, a group of men that came from the east region over to Jerusalem, down to Bethlehem to find the king. They, they were on a quest. They were on a journey. They were on a mission to find and worship the king. 
And so as we take a look at the perspective of the Christmas story through the perspective of the shepherds and the wise men, there's two really important lessons that I want to draw from them. Lesson number one, we need to share the good news that we have with others just like the shepherds. We need to share the good news that we have. Lesson number two, we need to have urgency and desire to worship God and his son, Jesus, just like the wise men. So sharing the good news. Back in Luke, when we were talking about the shepherds, the shepherds, they received this good news that Christ the Lord, Christ the Messiah, the Son of God, he has been born. And so what did the shepherds do with this knowledge, with this good news? They went and they shared this good news with others. Because our natural instinct, our natural tendency when we hear good news is we want to go and tell others. I remember uh, back uh, when we first found out uh, that Jamie was pregnant, I wanted to go and tell everybody. I wanted to go and tell my mom and my dad and my siblings, grandparents, aunts and uncles. I want to tell all of you. But Jamie wanted to wait uh, just in case if, if anything happened in that first trimester. But when I got that good news, my instinct, my, my initial reaction is, hey, I wanted to go tell the world that, hey, I'm having a baby boy because that was great news for me because that's our tendency. That's our natural tendency when we hear good news is we go and share it with others. I'm sure you all can think of instances where you heard great news, whether you're a parent and you heard news that you were having a child or you got news of a promotion at your job or, or news of um, make, making progress on a house that, that you're looking forward to. When you, when you hear great things like that, when you hear praises, you want to share it with others. And so we, we have access to the greatest news the earth has ever heard in all of human history. We have access to that great news. And if we really think that this news is so great, then we must be sharing that news with others. We must be sharing that news with our friends. We must be sharing that news with our family, our coworkers, bosses, friends at school. We must be sharing that news with everybody because that's what we do when we have good news. That's what the shepherds did when they received this good news that Christ had been born. We have news that, yes, the Christ has been born. We have news that the, that the Christ died on the cross for our sins. We have news that one day Christ is going to come back to this earth to establish God's kingdom. We have good news that we have an open invitation to that kingdom where everything wrong with this world will be made right. And this is news that we must be sharing with others. You know, oftentimes we, we talk about this good news so much that sometimes it can lose its joy. It, 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 it can lose it, its, its amazement. It, it can lose the, the, the specialty that this great news has. But don't lose the joy in this news as we talk about it time and time again. But be reinvigorated. Let, let there be a fire burning in your heart because of this great news that we have. And let that fire in your heart drive you to go and share this good news just like you would if you found out uh, that uh, you or your spouse were pregnant, if you found out you got a promotion, if you found out you're having a grandchild, or so forth. Just like any other good news that you would receive, go and share this great news that we have access to 
to all people. For this is great news for all the people. So last lesson number one, share the good news that we have. Lesson number two, we need to have the urgency and desire to worship God and his son. You see, I, I, I love the wise men because however they found out, we, we're not sure, but, but they found out that, that Christ had been born. And the wise men, they had such an urgency. They had such a desire to go and find the king of the Jews so that they could worship the king of the Jews. And this desire that they had in their heart, it caused them to travel across the world. It caused them probably to travel hundreds, if not a thousand mile journey to go and find this king. They left family, they left friends, they left their homes, they left all that they had back in the east just so that they could go and find and worship the king. You could feel the fire burning in their heart, the desire that they had to worship their king. And so we too, we need to have that same mentality of the wise men. We need to have that burning desire, that burning passion to worship God and to worship his son. Don't let that passion fizzle out. Don't let that joy, don't let that desire fizzle out. But be willing to drop it all to go and find and worship the king. If it came down to it, would you, would you be willing to leave family? Would you be willing to leave friends? Would you, be able, would you be willing to leave your home to worship the king if that's what it came down to? That's a question that each and every one of us have to honestly ask ourselves. Because we need to have the same mentality of the wise men. As God and his son Jesus, they're not beings that we can seek half-hearted. It's all or it's nothing. The wise men, they, they, they couldn't make uh, half the journey. You know, they, they couldn't go a couple hundred miles and stop in Jerusalem. It was either all or nothing. Either they were totally driven in to this desire to worship the king or it was nothing at all. And thank goodness that these wise men provide us a good example of what it looks like to be all in and desiring to worship God and his son, Jesus. And we need to have that same urgency and desire. And so our questions that we need to ask ourselves is, is are we seeking God with that sort of passion, with that sort of desire? Or are we just seeking God on, on Sunday mornings when we come to church? It's not a, a once a week occurrence. This is an everyday occurrence. Are we seeking, are we worshiping God Monday through Saturday? Are you sharing this good news that we have with others? This great news that should bring us joy and passion and, and a desire to share it with others. Are we sharing that news with others? These are questions we need to honestly evaluate. These are questions we need, we need to take a look at as we look at this Christmas story through the perspective of the shepherds who went and shared the good news and through the perspective of the wise men who had that desire to worship the king of the Jews. And thank goodness we have a time in our calendar each year where we celebrate the birth of the king of the Jews. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the great news that we have, the gospel message. 
that's presented to each and every one of us here. Father, I just pray uh, that we take this responsibility, seriously, this responsibility to share this good news with our friends and families and those we encounter. Father, I pray that we also have that, that desire, that passion, that fire burning in our hearts to worship you and to worship your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for this time of year in which we can reflect on the birth of our King, of our Lord, of our Savior, and of your Son. And it's in his precious, precious name that we pray. Amen.